the Gritty Growing Up podcast. Because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative. Gritty Growing Up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognising that whilst it isn't what it used to be, we can still make it positive. Join us as we share conversations, knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together. Welcome back to Gritty Growing Up. Now this week we're diving into mental health and why it just isn't fussy. Now whilst it's a word we talk about frequently, since the lockdowns we've all become aware that there's been an epidemic of mental health issues among young people. Whilst mental health is the hashtag of the moment, recognising the signs of mental health and how to support children, to put in place ongoing strategies to support themselves is imperative for their long-term well-being. Now, mental health is something that we all have. It's not optional, it's not negotiable. And whilst we know that for some young people, there are factors which can increase their susceptibility of mental health challenges, it's actually really important that we recognise it can impact all of our lives at any time. And we might not have loads of warning. The NHS have identified that in 2020, one in six children aged 5 to 16 were identified as having a probable mental health disorder, increasing from 1 to 9 in 2017, which means we're looking on average of at least five children in every class who might potentially have a mental health problem. Among those 5 to 22-year-olds, 58.9% with a probable mental health disorder reported also having sleep problems. And interestingly, the Children's Society have identified that 50% of mental health problems start before the age of 14 and that 75% of young people with mental health problems aren't getting the help that they need. Now, I don't think it takes many of us very long to take a Google, to browse through Facebook, to see the outpouring of parents and professionals looking for help and support with mental health in the classrooms and at home. And recognising that this isn't an issue that's just going away, it's not something that we can predict which children are going to be affected. And actually it's affecting children across all ages, every society group, different types of schools, different types of education. Mental health is defined as a state of well-being in which the individual realises his or her abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, work productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Mental health is a continuum. It moves back and forth between positive and poor throughout our lifetimes, depending on the events, circumstances and situations that occur. Sometimes those events might be temporary, some might be longer term, and some mean that we just need to adjust to having them around for our lifetime. But I think the difficulty we can sometimes have is those children who might have high functioning mental health difficulties. And the difficulty with mental health in these situations is that the signs aren't always obvious. I think we can get caught up in a stereotype that every young person who's got a mental health problem is screaming and crying and telling us about it all the time. Where in some cases a child or young person might be having difficulties but be able to mask them. They're able to suppress those emotions and adapt their behaviours so others simply cannot see what's happening. And they're actually therefore very high functioning. So it looks like they're coping really well in society. They might look for perfection in everything they do. They might be striving for really high grades. They might be appear to be really committed and have an excellent work ethic. But internally, they're really suffering with these massively intense emotions that they don't know how to cope with. And over time, they become completely overwhelming. So it's really important that we do recognise that mental health can affect 
any child, that it can be impacting the child who looks like they've got everything sorted, as well as the child who might be expressing to you that they're struggling. So therefore, building those strong working relationships with children to learn about their needs and develop effective networks with families and schools and professionals to really learn to understand those behaviours and how they might be differing is imperative for us if we want to ensure that we're meeting all children's mental health needs. The National Health Institute for Mental Health actually suggests that about 40 million adults deal with anxiety disorders at any time and approximately 18% fall into the high functioning category. So we really have to recognise that even amongst our friendship groups, do you have friends who on the outside might portray that they've really got their lives together, that they're coping really well, perhaps you even aspire to be more like them, but in secret might be really struggling. So what do we need to be aware of? Sometimes, as I often discuss on this podcast, we actually really need to check in with ourselves as adults. Inadvertently, we can all have our own preconceptions of mental health. And children will frequently recall comments that have been made to them, such as stop making a fuss. Mental health isn't a real thing. I had it worse in my day. If you used your phone less, you'd be okay. Stop attention seeking or you don't have anything to be sad about. In response to disclosing to a trusted adult that they're really finding it hard to manage their emotions. Now, we all need to check in with ourselves sometimes whether it's the comments that we make as we watch characters on TV who are struggling with their mental health, whether it's the way that we refer to mental health problems of those around us, whether it's the way that we might narrate things that we read on social media, the way we react when people talk about mental health or emotions, being aware, does it make you feel really uncomfortable? Do you change the subject? Do you move away from it? And the way we respond to people who are finding it hard. Now, there's many reasons why mental health can make us all feel uncomfortable whether it's about the way that we personally feel about mental health, whether it's our own experiences of family or friends' mental health issues, our personal experiences of mental health, or the way that our own parents spoke about mental health, whether it's our prejudices and stigma about it, our own fears or worries, or that we actually have a lack of knowledge and understanding. In order to help young people, we need to first be stepping up and recognising our own emotions. It means that we can then gain a greater understanding of what we need to do and what work we've got that we need to be ensuring that we complete, whether that's education, reading, talking, gaining professional support, so that we can then use that to translate across to the conversations that we're having. And just because a child's life has no noticeable challenges, it doesn't mean that they're not affected by mental health issues. When we inadvertently make those derogatory comments, when we think that actually our child won't be affected, we can actually create barriers to mental health conversations and prevent young people from feeling comfortable to talk to us. Young people should not have to beg or plead for mental health support. As a society, we should be making it accessible. However, we can also recognise this in our own homes and consider our own reactions. And recognising that being empathetic and non-judgmental can open doors to communication is that first step. It takes great courage to tell someone that you're struggling and their reaction can impact the next time that they share or if they choose to at all. So if you are faced with a young person who is giving you indicators that they're struggling, whether it's the odd comment they're making after school, whether it's at bedtime that they suddenly want to talk, whether they're leaving you notes around the house, we need to first think about how can we respond to this. We can thank young people for telling us about their worries and validate that we recognise that this is really causing them upset. We can ask them how they're feeling. 
We can ask them if there's anything that is making things harder right now. And ask them if there's anything that's also making the feelings better or calmer. Ask them if the feelings are affecting their physical health, so whether it's pains or aches in their bodies, or whether it's feelings of tummy aches or nausea or sickness, or even negative thoughts that might be impacting them. And ask them what their sleep is like. Ask them what help they feel that they could use to help them move from this. And we need to ensure that in doing this, we don't minimise those issues. Whilst you might not feel that they're actually that serious, where you might think, oh my goodness, I did deal with worse in my day. We need to recognise that for that child in that moment, these problems are real. These problems are really impacting them. And these problems are affecting their ability to function. And to that child, they therefore need to be taken seriously. And most of all, we need to give them time to talk. Sometimes it can be really hard to just sit and listen. And we can sometimes want to rush them because we just want the answers. And sometimes we might even, without meaning to, put words in their mouth. But we need to really find out how this is impacting that child in that moment so that we can then go and seek support, seek guidance of what steps we should take next. How else can we support them? So obviously, if a child is coming to you and you have got concerns about what they're saying to you, then your first step might be to speak to your GP. It might be to seek professional support. But some small things that we can manage day to day include making sure we've got really good routines in place because strong and consistent routines give our brains a sense of safety. And with that safety, we've got the time and ability to digest and process what's happening around us. So the quicker we get consistent and implement that structure, the more useful it is to our emotional well-being. We need to keep talking. Now, we have more platforms than probably ever before in life, and we have so many ways to communicate, but we need to be sitting down and having those face-to-faces, not necessarily while we're in the middle of working or doing homework. It might be that we get in the car and go for a drive together and just have a chat. It might be that we go and sit and have a look over the lake and watch the ducks. We might go and sit by the sea, we might do it at bedtime. However works best for your child, find a safe space where they're able to talk. Because when they're really struggling, we can all want to isolate. But when we keep communication open, ensure that we're really listening carefully to their reflections, it gives us an insight into their emotional processing and it helps us identify support that we might need professionally or through self-help. We need to be making sure that they've got some downtime. We're in a world where everything's on the go and now as lockdown eases, it's very easy to get caught up in getting back to normal life. But overwhelm when we're already struggling with our mental health can just be such a huge trigger factor. It's okay to get a little bored sometimes. It's actually really important because when we're keeping busy all the time, it's a way of masking what we're dealing with and it's preventing us from dealing with the issues that are coming up. So actually recognising that some downtime, doing nice activities together, some peaceful, quiet activities together gives us some time to process. We can be watching behaviours. So actually just taking some time to observe, see what's happening. Have we got disturbed sleep? Are we experiencing disrupted eating habits? Is there anger, agitation? Are they expressing boredom or isolation? And looking for some of those warning signs that maybe things aren't quite where we want them to be. And for adults, we need to be aware of changes to even in our partners, in our friends. Are we seeing friends who are really struggling with alcohol habits, disrupted sleep, short tempers, being very apathetic, avoiding things, feeling very upset, just recognising all these emotions in all those around us? We need to connect. We need to make sure that actually we have time where we're just doing things together, where 
work is out the way, schoolwork is out the way, where there's not an agenda, where we can just take some time to connect with one another. Because if we're not connecting, where's the opportunity to talk? So thinking about where are those opportunities to spend some really positive time together? We need to be keeping our language positive. We need to be thinking about children feed off of our energy. If they sense that we're panicking, they panic. If they feel that we're stressed, they might be less likely to talk to us. If they can see that we're struggling, they might not want to burden us with even more worries. So we need to be sometimes checking in with ourselves and seeing how we're managing our own emotions, our own anxiety, our own uncertainties so that we can also keep a level platform. Equally expressing that it's okay to say to a child, you know, I sometimes have struggles too. Sometimes my anger gets so much that I recognise that I need some downtime. Sometimes I get so anxious because I'm completely overwhelmed. And actually modelling this really strong emotional literacy to young people so they recognise that everybody has mental health. Everybody has these struggles sometimes and that therefore we can understand when they come to us and say, I'm really struggling too, that we will be a little bit more open to hearing what they're saying. We need to help them enjoy the small things. We need to help them find a sense of small purpose, whether it's baking or doing something together or learning a skill or a small activity that just gives us a sense of achievement. Because that sense of reward and the dopamine and endorphins and serotonin that released are not going to fix the mental health problems that they give us a reason to feel that we're functioning, to feel that we've contributed something. And they can help us increase our confidence and resilience. So whilst no, it's not going to fix everything overnight by doing it, actually we have got some level of purpose. And we need to help them get outside. We need to help them be active, get moving for our own mental health and well-being, whether it's a walk to go and blow the cobwebs away or to go and do an activity together or to go and experience a new skill. Whatever it is, we need to be getting ourselves moving, getting out to also help us to process what's happening inside us. Now, if you have great concerns about your child, a child you're working with, a child who you know, it's okay to actually go and get a second opinion and to speak to them about shall we go and get some help, whether that is a therapist, a counsellor, your GP, a referral to the CAM service or any other service that might be beneficial to them. It might be that you sit and do some research, go and hop on the Young Minds website, you can go and have a look at the Samaritans, you can go and have a look at the NHS websites and help them to recognise that there's loads of information out there and let's look at some strategies we might start putting in place. If your child is having intrusive thoughts, your child is self-harming, your child is worried that they're going to hurt themselves, then please, please go and seek some support for them professionally, just so that they can see that everyone's taking this seriously and that they don't need to do this on their own. Mental health can be scary. Mental health can be overwhelming and it can be exhausting and it can be really terrifying because the uncertainty means we don't know whether what we're doing is right. But what we do know is that when we're connected to people and we have safe spaces to be able to go and talk, safe people that we can go and express things to, then those are really positive signs that young people have got somewhere to go if they are finding things hard. If your child says to you, I need to go and speak to someone, I'm just going to beg today that you do listen, that you do help them find that person in some way, whether it is an online mental health chat. So things like the Young Minds website, I've got lots of help and support on there, whether it is you through the Yes service, whether it is through Time to Talk, whether it's through your GP, just please, if they've asked you, it takes a huge amount of courage 
to be able to say to someone, I need help. And we need to be praising that and we need to be telling them that we're really proud of them. I'm going to be back next week with another episode of Gritty Growing Up. In the meantime, stay safe, stay looking after each other and stay talking. Take care. Stay safe, keep open-minded, and we'll look forward to sharing more gritty moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com. 